Okay, Tuesday evening. The Tuesday evening before Shavuos, Tav Shen Pei Aleph. And tonight, uh, Erika, Nita, Maya, Women's Lord Division of Adash Yashurin. We are uh, going to be learning about Shavuos. And uh, we can't start this year without mentioning that uh, we are um, obviously learning as members of Klag Yashur for the people who are... Uh, Wounded for Meiron and for the people who Rachman al-Hassan died in Meiron, is his chusfadeh and nisham al-Nishmasam. And now we're learning for the Matzav in Eretz Yisrael once again for the people who've been killed, Rachman al-Hassan, and the people who were wounded, Rachman al-Hassan, and for the whole country in general. Everybody's participation through Torah and Tefillah and Maisim Tovim should. Put up a situation that we don't need an iron dome and we don't have to have anybody running into bomb shelters and there should be no trauma amongst the children and amongst the old adults. Amen. Okay. Let us begin. I'm going to start here with a, um, a little bit of a uh, thought-provoking question for women. Most of you have probably heard yourselves, maybe you heard from relatives, family members, friends, that there's obviously a very big activity on Shavuos, which is known as staying up all night, something which didn't start until the 1500s, something which is not mentioned in the Gemara, it's not mentioned in the Shulchan Aruch. It's a minute that started at the time of Yosef Karo and Tzvass, I'm saying it's it's roughly 500 years old, which is relatively new. So I want to ask you something. If somebody does not stay up Shavuos night, or somebody never stays up Shavuos night, as many of you have probably never stayed up Shavuos night, which is the Minigan Kali show, my Bubby never stayed up Shavuos night, my Bubby Allah Shalom, my mother Allah Shalom, they never stayed up Shavuos night. So, what is Shuas? What is Shuas? What is Shuas about? So, I'd like to say something. Um, I never put it into such a um, into such a light before. I'd like to read to you what it says in Shulchan Aruch about Shuas. Shuas, out of all the Yom for the whole year, has the least amount of halachas written about it. Because as we know, it's not Pesach with the Seder. With matzah and chametz, it's not Rosh Hashanah with din and shayfer. It's not Yom Kippur with fasting and 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 tshuva, and it's not sukkahs with dalad minim and with the sukkah. It shows. It says the Ramah the following: Binoyagin, there's a minik. Ramah, Ramah Yisulis and Shulchan Aruch says in Simon Tov Tzadik Dalad, there's a minik. To spread out grasses on Shavuos. Now, I don't know how many of you, um, let's see, we have Mrs. Lefton and Miss Wadika, Mrs. Polsky, Mrs. Zimmerman, Mrs. Kaplan, Marsha, we have somebody whose number ends in 73, I don't know who that is. If you want to identify, identify uh, 23, not 73, excuse me, ends in 23. If you want, 
It's Mrs. Bachrach. Mrs. Bachrach, okay. We have somebody whose phone number ends in 07. Um, Mrs. Levitsky. Mrs. Levitsky, beautiful. And then we have uh, um, Adele's iPad. I don't know who that is either. If, uh, if you would like to identify yourself, you can. Otherwise, Dove Katz's mother-in-law. Oh, what a way to identify yourself. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. So let's talk here, Rabbi Say. It says, I, the reason I want everybody's name, anybody on the, on the Zoom growing up, remember going to shul on Shavuos and seeing flowers in the shul. Yes. Yes, who was that? Adele. Okay, which, which, which shul was that in? Uh, young Israel in St. Louis and uh, Ortoro in Skokie. Wonderful, wonderful. So the Minigan Shulchan Aruch is to put out grasses. Grasses means flowers. And the Mepharshim explain the reason for this is because the Torah says that the Tzon and the Bokor should not graze on Har Sinai. Should not graze on Harsinai, that means there must have been vegetation for them to eat. So reminiscent of Harsinai is that in Shul we put out grasses. And once again, grasses means grasses that have a smell to them. I saw written down that some people say to put out roses, which have a pleasant fragrance. And really, what should happen to a person is when they walk into Shul, they should be hit with a fragrance of these flowers, of these grasses. As a matter of fact, it's brought down that there was another minig, an extension of this minig, besides grasses, that there was a minig to bring trees into the shul, trees or branches. When I was a child in Crown Heights, I remember in my mind that branches of trees, small branches, twigs maybe, were taped to the wall of the shul. Now the Vilna Goyen says, we don't do that anymore. The Hasidim, some Hasidim still do. The Vilna said not to. And part of it is because of December 25th, that since the non-Jews started making a ceremony of their holiday with trees, we stopped using trees. Very interesting concept. But the, but the flowers, we still do. But I want to say something. The Ramah then adds one more word. And he said, besides having the flowers in Shul, he says the flowers should also be Vahabatim. The flowers should be in the houses. Now, why should flowers be in the houses? Zecher lesimchas matantir. This will remind us of the simcha, the simcha of matantir, the simcha. We accepted the Torah with simcha, the simcha of matantir. An incredible thing. So one would think that there's a minute to put flowers up in shuls. But we all know that many of us, I would say more so the women than the men, purchase flowers before Yantav and place flowers in their homes before Shuas. They may purchase flowers before Pesach and Sukkot, but there's a special emphasis on having flowers when it comes to Shuas. Now that means to say the following. One does not have to go to shul to celebrate shuas. 
one of the parts of celebration of Shuas is to make a zecher of Harsinai. To make a zecher of Harsinai. That's one. Two. The next thing that Ramah brings down is something that we all know about. I doubt there's anybody on the phone, on the Zoom, who doesn't do this. Or didn't do it growing up. There is a custom, says the Ramah, in many places, Lechol Machol Cholov. To eat milchiks. I'm sure if I asked everybody on the phone, everybody would tell me they eat milchiks. No question. But I want to tell you something about this minig for milchiks. It's a strange thing. The minig is not to eat cheese. That's not the minig. And it could be that some people will say nowadays the minig is to eat ice cream. But that's not the minig. Not the minig. The minig is to eat milchiks. But milchiks in a wheat-like substance. What do I mean to say a wheat-like substance? That um, some people would eat milcha dikachala. And we all know milcha dikachala is something we don't normally do. We don't have milcha dikachala bread or flesh dikachala bread. But on Shavuos, some people had the minig. If you make the bread of a certain shape or a certain size, then it's permissible to eat it. And some people, and I know no woman would ever really want to agree to such a thing, first course of a meal is milchiks, with milcha dikachala, clean the table, and the second course is fleishiks with fleishi dikachala. Okay, I'm, ass- I'm assuming most people in their lifetimes did not do that. Anybody on your phone did that or heard of anybody who did that? Milcha dikachala, dikachala? Probably not. Okay, I'm assuming. We're not getting any, any positive answers on that one. Okay, now... I want to say something. But everybody in this room knows about a minig. Either to eat cheese blintzes, and in America, it's become a phenomenon called cheesecake. However, over the years in America, cheesecake has turned into cheese with caramel on top of it. Cheese with chocolate on top of it. Cheese with cherries on top of it. I don't like that, by the way. I just want to make that I want to put that out there. And the amount of cake in the cheesecake is very often diminishing. Diminishing. I'd like to tell you why that's really not the Minigan Klai Show. The Minigan Klai Show was to eat cheesecake, which really meant, for those people who know what this means, a bubka-like cake. Then instead of having chocolate bubka cake, it had cheese bubka cake. Now I want to explain to you does anybody have a, remember ever eating cheese bubka on shoes? No. Yes. No. Yes. My grandmother made that. Who said that? Shana Polsky. My grandmother used to make that. Grandmother used to make it. Okay. That's the, delicious. The, okay. Good. I'm sure it was delicious. And that was the mini. Okay. It fell out of, uh, you know, bubka is not so, so so popular right now. It sounds like some out the European thing that no Americans want to eat anymore, bubka. But anyways, um, why? Why? So I like to say something. The halacha is, we all know this, we, we count sphira. Sphiras ha'omer. What was the omer? The omer was a carbon that was brought in the base of Mikdush out of flour. It was a mincha. Carbon mincha is out of flour. But it was very unusual. As a matter of fact, it was so unusual, it was Kamati only carbon brought 
like this. Does anybody know what was unusual about the mincha, the, the oimer that we count from? Anybody know what was unusual about it? It was very unusual because it was made out of barley. Barley flour. <clears throat> now barley is not really fit for human consumption. Barley is really fit for animal consumption. Our gastroenterological system is really not made for barley. It's made for wheat. It's made for wheat. On Shvuis, there's a carbon called the Shtehalechem, two breads, and they badafka had to be made out of wheat, not out of barley. What's the pshat? That on Shvuis, it's wheat. And on the second day Pesach, it was barley. What's the pshat? Says the Yorch HaShulchan, and the Minchas, the, mincha, the Sefer Achinuch says, is Marame said this, but the Yorch HaShulchan says it clearly. It's an incredible thing. When a person begins his or her trek towards Har Sinai, we have to remember that without the Torah, we are comparable to animals, Rachman Without the Torah, we can lose our human dignity, Rachman Without the Torah, we can become incredibly confused, Rachman I don't know about you, I will tell you very briefly that I really did not fly at all during Corona. Before Pesach, I flew once because a member of the shul was getting married and asked me to be Vesada Kedushin. After Pesach, I flew once because our son had emergency surgery. Baruch Hashem, he's okay. And I flew to a bar mitzvah. And I flew with my wife to go away for a few days. Four trips, eight legs. During the eight legs of those four trips, six of the trips, six of the legs, people brought dogs onto the plane. Four out of the six legs that had dogs, the dogs barked almost the entire trip. The last time I flew was a week and a half ago, Matsui Shabbos. I flew back from L.A. We had a red-eye flight leaving at 12 o'clock. The LAX airport is, uh, the traffic, by the time we got to the ticket counter, it was 11.07, which was still plenty of time to check our luggage by 11.15. And... Um, we were online in priority. There were three people behind the checkout counter. Each one had one customer, and I was next with my wife. I figured, no problem. 11, 07, 08, 09, 010, 11, 12, 13, 14. By 15, I was afraid they wouldn't let me onto the plane. They wouldn't check my luggage. I walked over. I said, am I going to have a problem with my luggage? Said, no, no, no. Don't worry. We'll take care of it. We'll take care of it. Okay, they checked me in a minute or two later. What took everybody so long? Because the people were checking in in front of me we're checking in with their dogs. And there's a lot of paperwork, whatever. Okay, now, the religion that has been nicest to animals in the history of the world is the Jewish religion. We are the only people who have a law in the books from the time of Harsinai called Tsar Balechayim. Tsar Balechayim, you know, that would inflict pain in an animal. But we don't have a law that you should be able to put an animal in a collapsible cage underneath your seat on the plane, that it can bark the entire flight. I'm not getting into it any more than that. I'm not here to, I'm not ranting against dogs. I'm saying that when there is no poles that keep us centered, says the Aruch HaShulchan, we can act 
like a behemoth, Rahman Allah. Thus, the carbon on the first day of Sirius Aimer comes from barley, representing animal food. Once we go through 49 days of Sphira, then we have an Adam, then we have a, 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 a carbon mincha that's from wheat, which is human food, to show that we've made the trek with the Torah to graduate, so to speak, from a behemoth to another. Now, I'd like to say one more thing. Hello? Yes? Okay. I'd like to say one more thing. Okay. I'm on, I'm on a Zoom. I'll now, I want to say one more thing. What does milchix represent? Does anybody have any idea what milchix represents? What does milchadik of food represent? I will tell you. I'll tell you. It's an unbelievable thing. Milchadik of food represents the following. The relationship between a mother and child, a nursing mother. The Magen Avram says, Milchix represents that relationship which is formed through Tahara. Milk represents Tahara. The opposite of Tuma, the opposite of being spiritually unclean. Milk represents spiritual cleanliness. Thus, I'd like to say the following. There is no such thing as a minig in Klaia show, which is some type of minig out of the you know out of the year, which doesn't have any meaning to it. There's no such thing. Everything we do in Klaia show that's mentioned in Shulchan Aruch or mentioned in the Svarim has incredible depth to it. Here's a here's a minig. Minig is to eat blitzes. Minig is to eat cheesebuck. Minig is to eat milchadikachal. That's why we're stressing before. Ice cream or the new minig that cheesecake basically has no no flour to it. It's not the minig. The minig is to eat milchix together with wheat. Why? Because milchix together with wheat represents the trek of a human being from barley to wheat, from behemoth to adam, and milchix represents tahara. So I'd like to present a scene to everybody. When a person is home, a person is home on Shavuos, and in their house, there are flowers with a beautiful fragrance. And in their meals, there is milchix with a wonderful taste and a wonderful aroma. That milchix consists of milk together with wheat. There was a time in Shul, we did it twice, it didn't work, we stopped it, where we put a chuppah up around the bima. It blocked the sight of the women, we, we didn't do it again. But Reb Royer, there's a picture of Reb Royer in his Shul in the 1950s with a beautiful chuppah made out of flowers around the bima. Beautiful. It's a black and white picture, but it looked beautiful. I believe there's one shul in town that still tries to do that. We, Baruch Hashem, have two bouquets of flowers which are on the Oren. I'd like to say something. You don't have to be in shul to participate in shuvus. Just like you don't have to be in shul to participate in Pesach or in Sukkot or even Rosh Hashanah and Kippur. 
and you don't have to stay up all night to participate in shuas, even though it's a wonderful minig. It's a terrific thing. And many of your sons and grandsons and husbands and fathers and brothers and uncles and friends stay up all night learning. It's a wonderful thing. But that is not what makes shuas. It's a wonderful component and it can create an incredible order for somebody who experiences it on shuas. But the women, the women also went to our Sinai. The women were also Makabal Torah. Not only were they also Makabal Torah, but Bishus Noshim said that's when we got out of Mitzrayim. We got out of Mitzrayim, we started the trek for 49 days to go from the barley to the wheat. The women got us there. So where are the women? The women can be home eating a piece of cheese babka or a cheese blitz consisting of milk, which represents tahara, the highest level of tahara, the bond between a mother and child, with wheat, which represents trek from barley to wheat, with the fragrance of the flowers, which represent Tarsini. So in a person's dining room or in their kitchen, when a person has flowers coupled with milchiks that is wrapped in wheat, that person is reenacting Har Sinai. And at that moment, if there is a moment like that that a person can experience on Shavuos, at that moment, the person is recreating Har Sinai. Not in Shul, but as the Ramah says, that the minik to put out grasses is in the base. Can I say, and in the homes. Zecher lesimchas matan Torah. We are recreating matan Torah in our homes. So someone would say to me, your Bubby, who was a wonderful lady, never went to Shul on Shuas night, never stayed up Shuas night. I would tell you, you're absolutely right. But my Bubby created an aura of Shuas in her home. That, Rabbi Sai, is to a large extent what Shavuos is all about. There is no such thing as excluding women from the essence of any day. There could be some particulars. Women are not obligated to eat in the sukkah. Women are not obligated to take a little bit of dalad minim. Women are not obligated to hear the shayfa. Women do hear the shayfa anyways. Women do take dalad minim anyways. Many women eat in the sukkah anyways. Women don't stay up Shavuos night. But women create, create, the avira, the atmosphere in our homes that we all celebrate Shuas. They create it. They create it. And I say that's a very important thing to know. Shuas is the yontif of Harsinai. It's the yontif of Kabbalah Satayra. And that is relevant to every single man, woman, child, depending upon their age of maturity, in Klal Yisrael. So, when someone thinks, what am I going to do for Shuas? I'm not going to Shul all night. I'm not going to go to the extra Shul room. What am I doing? What am I doing? Our dining room is Har Sinai. If we inhale the fragrance of the flowers and we ingest the taste of the blintzes, 
we are recreating and reenacting and remaking shuas in our own homes. So I'm trying to wish all of the incredibly holy women in our shul and in our kehila, they should all be zeicha to a yontif Osman Kabbalah Satayra, a yontif, we just finished davening, we said you'd keep a cotton here in shul, a yontif in which there should be no tzoros and klal yisrael, a yontif in which no one should be harmed, a yontif in which no one should be traumatized. And a yontif that we should be zeicha to celebrate you shall I America, this would be as a Mashiach Mary Amenos enough time. But Tomanish, meaning it may be not Shalom, then we should all remember that we are the creators of Shuas in our homes. It's so important, it's so valuable, it's so inspirational. Whether we have 50 people at our table or we have nobody at our table. We should all be zeichet to plug into this incredible kayak. Okay, Rabbi Sai, does anybody have any questions?